When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Forever. Dog. I used to think that this was my town. What a stupid thing to think. I hear you biting off a brain now. I myself am on the brain. I used to want to be a real man. I don't know what that even means. Now I just want you in my arms again. And we can search each other's dreams. I know you're tired and you ain't sleeping well. What's up, 3Bs? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of this here podcast, Three Swings. Uh, which is a podcast about baseball and life and other things. Um, I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday, whatever holiday you celebrate. Or if you don't celebrate a holiday, I hope you had a past good couple weeks. Past good couple weeks? Sure, whatever. You guys don't come here for the grammar. Um, I hope everybody's doing good. I've had a, a pretty solid holiday. I don't know if you guys watch Ellen, but I was on that show, which was pretty wild. Um, pretty big deal. A lot went on behind the scenes of that and also like not that much at all. But um, I will say that I learned a tremendous amount um, about being a human being and uh, like what kindness and grace and dignity looks like. Um, So I'll just kind of like leave it at that and maybe at a later date I'll get more into it. But um, I had a really great time. It was uh, everything I've said about it is absolutely true. I can't... uh, really explain what it's like to have the person who's the reason you you're doing the thing you're currently doing say hey I'm a fan of yours um it's pretty wild and uh you know I had some feelings before and all those feelings came out of that place too but they were not how would I say they're not coming from a place of like understanding or kindness or even just kindness to myself so uh I think that um it was a pretty wild thing to do, a pretty amazing experience all around, and I uh, can't believe I got to do it, and um, I hope you guys saw it. I hope you're able to see it for what it is and maybe go, okay, maybe there are more things that we need to understand about each other and um, how we carry ourselves and the way we do the things that we do. Um, but yeah, it was really great. Major thanks to everybody on that set. Um, and also huge, huge thanks to Ellen DeGeneres who, uh, reached out to me personally to have me on the show, which is, uh, bonkers. It's a bonkers, bonkers, bonkers thing to have had happen. 
Um, but yeah, I've had a, a, a pretty solid holiday of just really spending some quality time with myself and with friends, um, and really like connecting and, uh, you know, I haven't been playing a ton of baseball in my baseball league because I have a conflict during our our practices right now. And, like, I've just taken a little bit of, like, space from it, I think. Um, and it feels, like, weird and good at the same time. And um, sometimes sometimes you just got to do different things, you know? And that's it's a good reminder, I think, and I guess that's why I share it because sometimes I want to, I don't know, like, beat myself up for not... It's it, Sometimes I feel like... Um, I used to have a meditation app that I that I used when I first started getting into meditating, and um, I don't use it anymore mainly because it it costs a lot of money, and I don't like spending money on things that I feel like I could practice without spending the money. I guess you know, um, but sometimes you do need to spend the money. Like I would love to spend money to go do yoga because I don't do it, and I don't think I do it right, and I'd like to learn how to do it right, and I feel like. The app served its purpose when I was paying for it. Um, now I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, man, I'm so good at tangents. And then some days I'm not good at it. Oh, now I remember. The the thing that I, I was like, I don't know. The, the thing that I didn't like from the beginning was how it sort of like gamifies everything. And sometimes that's very helpful. Not just for me, but sometimes it's helpful for other people. But this is just a personal preference where... Um, you know, everything's about like the streak, you know, like keeping doing something continually. And, um, there are many aspects of my life where that is incredibly important. However, it is not more important than the way I do the thing when I'm doing it. Um, that is actually more important and harder because you have to not think about like, well, I'm just continuously doing this. And so this, you know, like if I miss any of it, then I'm not really doing it anymore, you know? And sometimes I feel that way about baseball, that, like, if I don't go, then I'm not part of it, and if I'm not part of it, then I can't ever go back. And that's um, that's a, a thing in my brain that my brain has used to, like, you know, keep me safe for a long time, but I don't have to think about it that way. And, like, I used to think about comedy that way, like you know, starting out in Chicago and the open mic scene there. And I mean, just stand up in general. Like if you don't go out that night, you're not a stand up. But um, all these things are self-identifying. And so if I <laughs> say that I'm this thing, then I am until I'm not, you know. Um, and that's a hard thing to honor sometimes because um, other people want to tell you what is and what isn't. And they're going to tell you all the live long day. It's whether you listen. Um, so... I just use, to wrap up the meditation app thing, I, I guess that's that's it. It's just like, I don't really, hitting streaks are cool. <laughs> I mean, that's a cool thing. That's somebody's job. Somebody's job is to hit the ball. So if you have a hitting streak, then you're doing your job pretty damn good. But that also, you know, is it better to have a game where you go four for five you know, with 10 RBI and it's an important game and then, you know, maybe not get a hit the next game and then have another four for five or three for five. Like I, I tend to think, you know, the, the stringing together more hits in a game as, and helping to win the game as opposed to, you know, some 75 game hit streak. Um, 
in the grand scheme of things, I think tends to have a little more effect, but they're both great. So, I mean, the whole thing really boils down to they're all great and it's all great. And whatever you're doing to get through your day and feel good about yourself and feel good about the world and what you can do in it, that's kind of all you can really do. Um, so let's get into the hot stove updates. Uh, cause a couple things have happened since we've been here. This, this one was a big shocker on 12, 15, the two time Cy Young award winner, Corey Kluber was traded from Cleveland to the Texas Rangers for reliever, Emmanuel Clace and outfielder Delino DeShields Jr. The lopsided trade, which seems to clearly favor the Rangers has a few possible explanations. Kluber's recent injuries have hurt his trade value, and Cleveland was primarily looking to clear space in their payroll. Now, the fact that he was traded is not the biggest surprise to me, but it is surprising to me that he did not, that this is what they got for him. Um, I have been, a, his most recent injury is one that I think will plague him, unfortunately, for the re- remainder of his career. And I think a lot of organizations knew about this. And I think that, um, that really hurt his trade value because once a pitcher has back issues, it's kind of like, that's it. You know, um, it's kind of all downhill from there. And unfortunately, Corey Kluber has some back issues and no shade to Delino DeShields. I think he's going to do great in Cleveland. Um, I I think they, they are in love with outfielders in Cleveland. I'm not sure (laughs) why they keep, uh, doing what they're doing, but, um, uh, apparently Emmanuel Clace is a stud. This is what I heard from some some insider talk. But and they definitely need um a reliever who's not named Brad Hand. Um cuz he's he's a workhorse but you need more than one arm, I think. But yeah, it's very interesting to me and I feel like Cleveland if they if they do get ri- if they do trade Francisco Lindor then I'm not sure what they're doing and I feel like they are closing their own window on winning a world series. And I saw rumors that Lindor and Clevenger are on the block and like, boy, I can't imagine how Cleveland feels about this. Like the fans. Um, it just seems like they really are not interested in winning a world series in the next couple years and are going the way of, you know, Kansas city and, um, Baltimore and all these and Detroit and all these teams that are like, Oh yeah, yeah. We're purposely tanking. We're purposely tanking. Um, which is just a, it's a bummer, you know, it's a bummer. And it goes along with, uh, you know, the last episode we talked about the minor league teams and we will probably talk about that again, because after this podcast came out, um, there was a lot of talk like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and, um, many Congress people, as we talked about on the podcast, but the, the, uh, and even Pete Buttigieg said something about it. Um, but m- more so Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are important. A, they're both sitting senators, um, in states that have minor league teams and B, uh, they're both actively working within the framework of these, of these organizations. And I would say, Bernie, even more so than Elizabeth Warren, um, apparently had met with these owners previously and uh, was, I don't know, getting their word or something from from them that they would, you know, collectively bargain this thing and then was appalled, probably pretty theatrically. Like, I don't think that dude 
it was surprised that they would do a heel turn. I mean, if he was surprised, then that surprises me. But um, I appreciate the conversation and national one that he's carrying out about it because his approach to it is the same as what mine has been, which is these are corporations. And uh, if they're going to keep doing this, then they should have their antitrust um, exemptions taken away. Like they shouldn't be able to just be some of the uh, the only corporations that don't have to follow those rules because they are absolutely positively taking advantage of those rules right now. Um, and so I think it's important that they are threatened with that because otherwise they won't, they won't stop. All right, getting back into the hot stove updates. And then on the 17th, the Arizona Diamondbacks signed former Giants pitcher Madison Bumgarner to a five-year deal. He won the World Series three times with the Giants and was chosen as World Series MVP in 2014, which I believe is a World Series that he came into in relief and started this whole trend of starting pitchers being relievers in uh, World Series. Um, I can't believe at how I can't believe how perfect of a fit this is. It makes so much sense. I mean, it's kind of wild that I really believed that he would either be like with the Phillies. Or the NL West. And the, I, I did not think about the Diamondbacks. I was definitely thinking more like Rockies. Um, but the the fact that he was even being considered, like, and this had to be pure, pure rumor, um, that the Dodgers, that he would go, that he would come to LA and play for the Dodgers seemed like the most far-fetched thing I'd ever heard in my entire life. Um, I'm really curious to see how he fits in there. I think he's going to fit great. And I think he's going to, it's going to be very funny to see him mad in one of those jerseys. Cause they're just silly, silly, silly jerseys. And then on the 22nd of December, it's sort of sad for me. This is one of the guys that I liked in this team. That's in my hometown. Um, my current hometown. That is the Toronto blue Jays, uh, signed former Dodgers pitcher, Hinjun Ryu to a four-year deal. Ryu went 14-5 with a major league leading 2.32 ERA last season and finished second in NL Cy Young voting. And he seems to be very happy about being in Toronto. I am not totally aware of the history of Ryu in Toronto and 99. I didn't get a chance to research it. So if anybody wants to send me this information and tell me I'm doing a bad job, feel free. You can also send it to me and tell me I'm doing a good job. Um, like I said, I've been taking breaks periodically from baseball, and this is a little part of it. Um, so speaking of breaks, we're going to take a real quick break, and we will be back after this ad, which you should definitely listen to and maybe think about you know, buying the thing that I'm talking about just to support this show and also Forever Dog and keep people buying ad space on our, on our shows so that people like Bench Coach Brett and myself can feed ourselves and keep our businesses going. Um, I really appreciate it. And we'll be right back uh, to discuss the MLB All-Decade team right after this. All right. Thank you for listening to that ad and buying whatever it was. I really appreciate it. Also, wasn't that ad read so fantastic? Uh, okay, this past Thursday, ESPN released their 2010 All-Decade team, selecting the decade's top nine position players, top DH, top five starting pitchers, and top reliever. According to ESPN, the voting criteria ooh, the voting criteria was an amorphous mix of decade-long value, peak-level dominance, and iconic status. 
Postseason performance was also taken into consideration. Thank goodness. In terms of statistics, only stats during the years 2010 to 2019 were taken into consideration as opposed to a player's entire career arc. To take an example, even though Derek Jeter played through the 2014 season, because he had started to statistically regress by 2010, he doesn't show up here. Uh, Everything that follows is taken directly from ESPN.com after this. So, at catcher, we have got Buster Posey at uh, 128 OPS plus and a 42.2 war. Others considered Yadier Molina. He would be my choice, even though Buster Posey obviously has way more uh, playoff appearances. Way more, yeah. Yes, way more. Um, I just think Yadier Molina, I was watching, <laughs> my Instagram gives me a ton of baseball recommendations, obviously. And um, so I was watching the uh, World Baseball Cup, World Baseball Championship, when Yadier Molina throws to Javi Baez at second and Javi like puts his hand up before he even catches the ball to point at Yadi like nice throw. And like, look, that's not regular season and that's not what you take into consideration for this. But Yadier Molina does shit like that and like th- it was just a perfect throw. Not that Buster Posey doesn't either, and I think that Buster Posey is a real uh, like pitcher's catcher. I just think, you know, Yadier Molina might be my choice over that. Also, I would say Yadier Molina because he had a 100-year-old lady fan once a couple years ago, or maybe she was in her 80s. I don't really remember, but it was just like one of the cutest things I've ever seen in my life. Look that up if you want to feel good for a couple minutes today. Um, Why it's Posey. Posey has a sizable edge in war, 42.2 to 31.9. An even bigger one at Fangraphs, which attempts to incorporate catcher framing into its war, 53 to 41.7, and three World Series titles in the decade to to one for Molina. So there we go. Molina's big edge is he played 1,291 games behind the plate to just 980 for Posey. I mean, I guess that speaks to the numbers a little bit. Um, and like those two guys, there's probably kind of no touching them in terms of war. Um, and yeah, pretty interesting. So then we move on to first base and we've got Joey Votto at 152 OPS plus and a 52.1 war. Others considered Miguel Cabrera and Paul Goldschmidt. Wyatt's Votto. He led all batters in the decade in runs created and on base percentage ranked third in war, won an MVP and matched Cabrera in, uh, WRC plus while being a much better fielder. Um, and also Joey Votto, Votto hadn't flied out to first until this past year. So <laughs> I just can't get over that statistic. It's something like over a thousand. It's a, it's a, it's a bonkers amount of at bats and batted balls that he had before he flied out to first. And, uh, all three of the, these guys on this list are just, kind of untouchable, I think, at first base. And first base is an underrated position, I think. Um, I think we've, we take for granted that first base is very, <laughs> it's very integral. And uh, people don't want to play it, and they don't want to play it because they don't get all the glory. But, like, you got to catch the ball, you know? Like, it's a serious, I really enjoy playing first base when I get a chance to. I'm not I'm not that tall, but I surprisingly can do a pretty good stretch and do it often. And then the next day I feel very bad about it. 
Uh, moving on to second base, we've got Robinson Cano with a 132 OPS plus and a 54.2 war. Others considered Jose Altuve and the recently retired Ian Kinsler. Uh, Wyatt's Cano. Yes, Altuve is better right now, but we forget how great Cano was from 2010 to 2017, hitting, slashing 303, 362, and 503 and averaging 27 home runs and 99 RBI per year. Uh, and let's just also remember that we don't know how much of the Jose Altuve stats were padded by uh, pitch stealing. So, look, I'm just saying that from a neutral position. Um, he trails only Mike Trout in war for the decade. That's bonkers. And has a big lead over Altuve, 54.2, excuse me, to 38.5. Even if we look at each player's best seasons, Cano has five of the seven best seasons between the two. Um, that's pretty bonkers. And yeah, there we go. Now moving to shortstop, the shortstop that gets this position th that wins it, I guess, but this is all just having the stats that put you in the position, um, goes to who I would have chosen for shortstop just based off of, uh, liking him so much. It's Francisco Lindor at a 119 OPS plus and a 28.6 war. Um, that's a pretty low war for a shortstop. I feel like but whatever. Uh, others considered Andrelton Simmons, Troy Tulowitzki, and Carlos Correa. Uh, Wyatt's Lindor. Tulowitzki was great the first half of the decade, while Lindor and Correa were great the second half. Simmons has the Ozzie Smith-like defense and leads in war, but has a sub-700 OPS. Lindor's high peak gives him an edge. Lindor just matches homers. He's a switch hitter, and... Uh, He's just a great guy, and I really like him, and I'm going to be sad if he leaves Cleveland, but I will be happy if he goes to a team that I can get a jersey of his from. <laughs> and so I'll be pretty happy about that because I won't have to, uh, you know, not I, – I have not gotten a jersey or jersey of Francisco Lindor because I don't want to wear a shirt that has uh, the team name on the front, so I'd be happy to wear whatever, any other team – it would be wild if he went to somebody like the Angels or the Rangers or the White Sox. Uh, so then third base, we've got Adrian Beltre uh, at 130 OPS plus and 51 war. Others consider Josh Donaldson, Evan Longoria, and Nolan Arenado. That, I mean, look at that. Look at that group of third base players. I just think third base is the position that I love. Shortstop gets a lot of the glory, but like, Third base is just serious. Also, where, where's where's my dude? Where's Manny Machado on this list? That's pretty nuts that he's not even in there. I mean, I guess he's too new. Interesting. Um, Wyatt's Beltre, his all-around excellence for the first seven years of the decade when he averaged 6.5 war per season and had five top 10 MVP finishes makes him the clear choice over Donaldson. Donaldson has the flash. Evan Longoria is a solid hitter, and Nolan Arenado has the glove. But here's the thing. Adrian Beltre's got all of it. Um, a 51 war. That's that's wild. So then for the outfield, we've got Mike Trout, obviously 176 OPS plus 72.5 war. Mookie Betts, untouchable. Mike Trout is nearly untouchable with his war. Uh, Mookie Betts, 134-42. And Andrew McCutcheon, 135-41.2. Others considered Giancarlo Stanton. Why these three? 
It wasn't an especially strong decade for outfielders, and Trout, of course, was the best player of the decade. Mookie makes it on his terrific half-decade of excellence, and McCutcheon had a dominant run from 2011 to 2015, averaging 6.2 war with four top-five MVP finishes, including a win in 2013. I feel like we also might have Starling Marte, somebody like that in there. Um... And Michael Brantley, if he wasn't hurt, you know, that's a guy that like really hit, but he was hurt so often. And like, look, I may be completely off base here, but these are, these are great players. These 72.5 war. That's so crazy to me. That's so wild. Uh, so then for the DH, we've got Miguel Cabrera, 153 OPS plus and 50, 43, excuse me, 0.5 war. And then the others on this list, we got Donaldson, Goldschmidt, Nelson Cruz, and David Ortiz. So some of these are clearly utilities and not DHs, that is Goldschmidt. Um, and David Ortiz, obviously, pretty wild. That Pretty wild. Uh, Wyatt's Cabrera, he's one of the best hitters of the decade, plus an iconic figure with four batting titles, two MVP awards, and... The Triple Crown in 2012, which is, as we've seen, very hard to achieve. So let's run down our starting pitchers and get to our relief pitcher of the decade. Starting pitchers, Clayton Kershaw, 164 ERA plus and a 59.3 war. Justin Verlander, 136, 56.2. Max Scherzer, 134. 56.1, Madison Bumgarner, 120, 32.2, and Chris Sale, 140, 45.4. Others considered Zach Greinke, David Price, Cole Hamels, and John Lester. Uh, why it's these five? The first three are easy choices, but then it turns into a good debate for the final two spots. I put this one to a vote, and Bumgarner got the edge as the fourth guy on the list, even though he was just 13th in the decade in war and lacks the peak of even guys like Corey Kluber or Jacob deGrom, who would be my other two choices, personally. Uh, his postseason heroics put him over the top. You can make a similar argument for Lester, who trails Bumgarner in war but had 148 wins in the decade. Grinky and Sale tied for the fifth spot in the voting, but I went with Sale's more dominant peak at 140 ERA+. Plus. To 128 for Granke, who won 155 games in the decade with 44 war. If you want to argue Granke, I won't disagree, but Sale re received Cy Young votes in seven different seasons compared to four for Granke. Now, this is, like I said, a quote from ESPN, um, not from me. So <laughs> when I say I, I did not do any of this work. I'm just reading somebody else's. Um, and like, I tend to, I, I think Jacob deGrom and Corey Kluber deserve a spot in there. But all of these guys that ha are have been in the World Series, Clayton Kershaw being the only one who hasn't won a World Series, um, and he has the best numbers out of everybody. So sad, 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 sad. And then your relief pitcher is Craig Kimbrell, 195 ERA plus with 19.6 war. Others considered Kenley Jansen and Aroldis Chapman. Wyatt's Kimbrell, he led in saves with 346. Jansen was second with 301, had a lower ERA than Jansen or Chapman, and matched Chapman with a 41.1 strikeout rate. I mean, I'm glad it's not Chapman for obvious reasons, um, but, you know, Kenley Jansen is up there, and his I think he's peaked, and I think he's sort of lumbering his way down to retirement, and his best days are behind him, unfortunately. 
And the same might be said for Craig Kimbrell, but he had a very, 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 very dominant <laughs> decade. Um, and, you know, I think there's some Dodger players that should maybe get some honorable mentions, like, I don't know, Corey Seager, Kike Hernandez. These are just dreams. Um, also, uh, Jose, uh, why am I blanking on his name? This is how long it's been since I've played baseball. Jose Ramirez. Good Lord. Thanks for sticking with me through all of that. Um, Jose Ramirez can't remember when he started playing in the majors, but he's been very dominant. So these are just guys that I like that I would love to see in there. Um, so let me know what your choices are. Let me know what you want to hear about in the next month or so. We're working out our schedule in the new year. Um, but I'm really looking forward to talking to you guys. I'm going to be in San Francisco on January 18th at the Brava Theater. Please buy tickets now. I would love to sell it out. It would great. It would be great to have a big, fun, full theater. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to try to have some new jokes by then. So if you saw me before, please come see me again. And then Toronto. If you're in Toronto, I'm going to be at the Comedy Bar the 23rd through the 25th. Those tickets got rescheduled. Uh, and all tickets are going to be available on my website. They're already on my website. So please buy those tickets. Um, they'll make a great belated holiday gift if you're looking for one. Um, and I'd love to see you guys and, and make you laugh. Um, so yeah, listen to the show, tell friends about it, tell your loved ones that you love them, tell people that you care about that you love them. Um, be kind to people, even when it feels difficult, be kind to yourself and do it in ways that are more than just watching Netflix. Like, drink some water, go for a walk, look at the sky, smile at a baby, pet a dog, all those kinds of things. And as usual, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.